Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Money Matters. Podcast, whatever you want to call it. And of course, I always like to say this, whether we're live or not. These are my opinions and my opinions only. They're not this station, or we're not here to tell you what to buy, 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 and sell, sell, sell. Ever. That's not entertaining. It's financial pornography. We all know it. But it leads us further from the truth. Everybody always asks. We just had a great event. Fantastic event. And I couldn't help myself. We had two speakers, and it was 250 people of our, of our best clients. It was, just, it was an incredible time. And it, it was just really, it always is when you're around a group of people that you have a relationship with like that. It's a very special feeling for us. And, but I couldn't help myself, even though we had two speakers. I basically had to just introduce them this time and get out of the way. But I couldn't help myself in thinking about and mentioning not making predictions. We don't have to make predictions. This is as I'm introducing an economist who is about to make predictions. Okay? I know he's going to. In fact, he made fun of, you know, now I'm here. I know you can't make predictions, so I'm about to give you some predictions, right? And I, I knew he was going to do that, and it was absolutely true. But, but it is this economist, this group is one that we really like, we really do listen to, and they're much less it's not that they make no predictions, but very few. They just tell us a lot of data about what's going on out there and, and make us think. And so that's, that's, that's the wonderful thing about this particular group because people ask me all the time, all right, so if J.P. Morgan, Wall Street, Goldman Sachs, all these, they're always wrong. And they are wrong. And it's not they're always wrong. Like a stopped watch once in a while, they're right. But it is amazing how all day long people are asked on CNBC, well, what's your outlook for Merck? What's your outlook for tech stocks? What's your outlook for small caps? Whatever it is they're on about. What do you think about oil? Where's oil going? I mean, it, it is kind of famous and kind of funny that Goldman Sachs is like always so wrong. I mean, by, by if you will, galactic differences in reality. So when they said, when, when, when oil was taking off, taken off and it was, you know, from $50 a barrel to 70 to 100 and then they're out of oil. It's going to 200 That's it. So what happened to oil? Probably like the next day, maybe that hour, it went straight back down, went below 50 where it sat forever. And then famously, they came out again and they doubled down on it going down even further. Unbelievable. And, of course, that marked the bottom and it took off and it went higher. This happens all the time. All the time. And my sole job is to count the number of oil wells, drilling rigs, whatever it is in the world, and figure out how much oil is going to be. One simple thing. You can't get it right. How about the complexities of markets, the emotions that drive them, the global connectivity, whether we have a pandemic or don't? None of these things. Who knows? Why would I make a market prediction? It's not just because you're afraid to be wrong. It's pointless. It's absolutely pointless and leads us further from the truth. So again, like today, had somebody come in and they're going to give us a market outlook on this. Said, whoa, whoa, time out. Apparently you have not been schooled properly. And they had actually because it was a little bit of a lead into a high level look at things. So it was fine. But it still goes to the same thing. What were they doing? They were dialing back the presentation they were going to make about predicting what the market was going to do. If, if, if Warren Buffett does not have a market outlook, 
has never had a market outlook and never will have a market outlook. Why do I want to have a market outlook? It just seems like I'm wasting my time. And if Warren Buffett has 10 great investment decisions that made up almost all of the investment returns over a 70-year period, 10, 10, and all of the others were mediocre at best. That's his words, not my interpretation. If that's the case, why do I spend a minute thinking about and predicting the market? It's hard not to, but I'm actually working on training myself to do that. I think I'm getting better at it. So what I do know, well, well what's the point then? The point is, is to understand what the ground conditions are, where bargains can be had, what things look like they're relatively inexpensive. Could I buy into some sectors of real estate today because all sectors of real estate are being impacted by all being in the same basket? That's an interesting thought. Does that mean it won't go lower tomorrow? I promise you from my experience, it almost certainly will go down more. And that's why it's good to kind of ease into positions. It really is. Sometimes you miss because that was, happens to be the bottom and you don't get another opportunity. But most of the time, things that are out of favor stay out of favor for a little bit longer than you think they should. Prices don't stop at like, wow, boom, there it is. That's such a bargain. Oh, everybody's going to recognize that this second and prices go higher. That's not the case. It never is. But what you have to understand is you're rarely right about timing, about the actual companies you buy, the investment decisions you make. You don't have to be. And boy, what a relief that is. Honestly, I mean, it's like this... Wow, okay, so I was wrong with the ABC company. Who cares? That's one pick. Because guess what? I was like super right on Google, Apple, Microsoft, and others. And that's all you need in your whole life. In your whole life. So quit beating yourself up. Like, i got to pick the right time. I don't know if I want to buy it today. So I have in front of me, the first thing I want to share with you is this, okay? You don't have to be right about your perfect timing. All you have to know is this, when something goes down like the market goes down 20%, bye. It's not very often it does, but when it does, it pays. Not the next day, but let's look at it over the next five years, okay? So when the market is down 20%, doesn't mean, because it, it's full of times it goes down 30, and then 40, and then 50, okay? So if the market is down 20%, the next five-year cumulative return is 91% on average, sometimes more spectacular than others. And the average return for any five-year period in the market is less than 80%. So we're already on that. Now, does that mean you have to buy all in every time it falls 20? No. But what happens when the market falls 20% is this is what I guarantee you. Many of the companies you always wanted to own are down 40 or 50% at those moments. And everybody's telling you you can't own them. Here's what I know about just the real recent history, okay? And what we all know intuitively. When you buy after something falls, your future with that something, unless it goes away, what's called a value trap, 
if that thing had a really good outlook, like let's say Google has a really good outlook, I think that that's pretty much inarguable. There isn't anybody on the planet that doesn't think Google has a really good runway in front of them. Okay? They may say, you can argue about price. I want to wait for that. But if you suddenly one day woke up and Google was down 25% and you don't buy it, that's a bad decision. That's an emotional decision. So I know recently, like last year, when all of the talking heads on Wall Street, virtually all of them certainly, were saying, and Wall Street collectively was definitely saying, you need to own the value stocks. Got to own energy, utilities, things like that. It's not working. And remember, this is where Meta, Facebook, this is Tesla, this is Amazon, Google, Apple. You don't want to own those stocks. They're not going to work. They're already down. I mean, a minimum of 25% with Apple. You got Amazon down 40%. You've got Meta down 50 Tesla down from its high. I mean, terrible, terrible. Can't own those companies. Why? You you want to wait till they come back and then you can pay more? Well, apparently Wall Street did because by June, all of those companies collectively were up about 40%, and that's when they changed their mind and said you ought to buy them. What do you think that marked? Yeah, I know, I know. You're already ahead of me. It marked the top of the market, at least recent, recent top. It's the way it works. And these are the people we listen to? Why? Why? This is so common sense. This is so easy. It just isn't that hard. You just simply look at the market conditions, quit trying to predict, quit thinking that politics has anything to do with what the market's going to do, or innovation, creation. What's going to happen? What do you think with the AI companies? What's going to happen with them? I don't know either. I just know stuff is happening, and it's big, and it has nothing to do with JoJo or Trump. Nothing whatsoever they can or can't do to affect the economy in a way that would make it so that we can't invest in AI. And if we get lucky enough, and for some reason, the market reacts to whatever, we have a recession, we have this, does that mean it's the end? No. And we see things at such a short-term basis. And that's why systematic investing is so important. You just, and reacting to ground conditions, not feeling like you always have to be right, not feeling like you have to have a prediction, because you don't. Not even listening to them, because it clutters your thinking. All I want to know today is where are interest rates? Okay, so they're at five and a half on a money market, risk-free. Wow! That tells me I have a better chance than in any time in the last 15 years of having 5% cost of living adjusted income all the days of my life that I can't outlive. That's what that tells me. I have to take less risk in order to do that if I only think of price as risk. And so, and of course I don't, but the point is, is I'm generating 5.5% on the cash, so I never have to touch my portfolio for years, even in a down market. And if I don't sell down in a down market, I win. I win. Ding, 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 it's over. Doesn't matter how long I live. I don't run out of money. That's it. Game over. And if, you're, if, you're, if the objective is simple, easy, I want cost of living adjusted income all the days of my life that I can't outlive. Is that your goal in retirement? Well, for most people, that's pretty much their goal, right? And if there's something left over to the kids, that's great. If not, I get it. It's okay. We might have a, a big health care issue at the end. We don't know. But I want cost of living adjusted income all the days of my life that I can't outlive to enjoy my retirement. That's it. 
then what does it have to do with price fluctuations today? What Wall Street's outlook is for the market next year, what the P.E. ratios are relative to blah, 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 it doesn't. And you don't need a market prediction to know how what the ground conditions are. We have 5.5% on short-term rates. We've got 7% plus on low-risk paper out there. Wow, that's in fixed income, which we couldn't own until a year ago for the prior 12 years. No bonds, no nothing. This is how you build a portfolio is now you've got some extra interest income coming in while you're waiting for the dividends in your portfolio to grow like they have at three times the rate of inflation since 1950. That's crazy. That's how good dividends are. It's the greatest story never told is the income story that stocks have. But they don't have as high a dividend currently, so you mix that in, and voila, you've got a nice soup that is now able to get 4% and have lots of growth built in. 4% current income with growth. Wow. Wow. That allows you to sustain through the next bear market, which you don't know when's going to occur. So why predict it? Why try to predict it? You don't have to. You don't have to unless you're wasting your time listening to Wall Street economists that get it wrong about half of the time. Actually, a little less than half a time, but it's okay. Yeah. I'll take the blind monkeys throwing darts every time. I don't have to listen to them babble. I just kind of look funny, and they throw darts, and like, oh, oh, the market's going to go up. That's, the market's going to go down. That, that's my prediction. And it also allows us, when the market does do good, you can peel off some of those gains and put them into stuff that's yielding five and a half to seven. Wow. So you take profits and you move them over. So you never run out of money. And you always have this big reservoir. But now the reservoir is earning money. So, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm not even going to talk about gold, I promise. I'm only saying this is why this doesn't make any sense, to have assets that are earning zero unless they're growth assets. I mean, do I think it's okay to own some AI stuff? Yeah, of course I do. It's the future. You need some percentage. Of the Internet of Things. You need to own some Google and Amazon, even if it's in a package, you know, and they don't pay dividends. But you, Apple does. Microsoft has a little dividend. Not a high percentage, but they raise their dividends crazily every year. So while we're waiting on those dividends to come up over the years, because their cash flow is enormous, you've got the income opportunities now. So I'm more convinced than ever that people can take cost-of-living-adjusted income of 5% and never, ever run out. I think it's easier today than it's ever, ever been. And that's really some of the stuff I want to talk about. But I'm going to get back to systematic investing because when the markets are down and you're in a growth mode, maybe you're not sitting there thinking about cost of living adjusted income all the days of your life that you can't outlive. I know a lot of you are. But this is why we get deflected and we're on the wrong thought process. You don't have to predict the market. You don't have to know if it's too high or too low. Or that guy over there who called the last collapse or whatever it is on the Internet page you're about to click on. And then the endless ads that will run because they got somebody. We got it. We got him hooked. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, yes, we got a good sucker on the end of that one. And that's what happens when you get into those. They sound good. They entice you in.
And that's the problem, because now the cookies are fed to you. They know exactly what to feed you, and it's all negative all the time. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Money Matters. All right. Yeah, I, I wanted to dive into the systematic investing because not everybody is, is um, taking income in retirement, but also to give a better understanding. We have these two charts. It's really fun um, that talk about systematic or dollar cost averaging and how much it really works and how much our perception is skewed. And it goes over just a, a one-year period. It's just a short little chart, but it, it, it illustrates where both – Investor A and Investor B start out. And the chart for Investor A is, you know, it's kind of sideways and it ends the year up. And the Investor B, it squiggles around and finally gets back to break even at the end of the year. And, of course, which investor do you want to be, the one that's up or the one that's sideways? Well, you know it's a trick question because it's dollar-cost averaging. You're buying every single month. And when investments are down, you just don't – I don't think the average person can see it feel it until they live it of how much difference it makes to compound your dividends or compound your payments, um, your, your, your investments over time. And obviously investor B who finished right where they started and not up like A has more money at the end of one year. It's really a function of training, retraining our minds. The only time it can't work is if the investment goes to zero. Well, that's what I'm worried about. I, okay, all right. Well, I can't help you if, if you think everything's going to zero. Your gold is too. The gold is going to zero too, okay? The world has ended. I don't know where you're, what you're going to live off of, but I don't think Albertsons will be there to take your flakes of gold way to give you, uh, you know, some Wonder Bread to walk out of the store with, okay? I just don't think that's how the world's going to work if we have no financial system, Okay. If Apple's cash and everything else is worth zero, so is mine, and so is yours. If it doesn't go to zero, it simply works. And I think in many ways, the problem with this for people is it's simply too simple. I, I need to overcomplicate things. I, I need to understand. I, I need to read books about finance. I need to, I need to really grind on this, and I need, to, so I need to listen to some people talking about, well, the real best thing to do is to do a dividend structure. And it's a bit, the best thing to do over here is you need a 60-40 portfolio, and, and you need this and this and this. Okay, I got it, but I don't even know what they're talking about. Should I use on my, well, should I just use an S&P 500 or dividend-paying stocks? Should I be, like, using an ETF? I'm so confused. I don't even know what an ETF is. You see, what I'm saying is you don't have to know any of this. Absolutely nothing. Invest every month. Increase it slowly over time. And you win. That's how hard it is. It's just that hard. Well, don't you have to? No, you don't. You don't even have to read the Wall Street Journal. You don't have to know anything except you're just going to keep investing until you die. That's it. That's it. It's that simple. And I think we feel like it can't be that simple. We have to complicate things. Ooh, that can't be that. It just can't be like that. Yeah, it, it actually, it, it, it can and it is like that. It's just that easy. I mean, when we do our income story with people, which is the reverse of what I'm talking about, we don't talk about one year to the next. We don't even talk about what the market do, does. We talk about the income piece because that's all people are supposed to care about. But what do you think people care about when they get their statement? 
had this discussion with somebody. Well, as soon as we get, how come we can't get back up to this arbitrary number that doesn't mean anything to us? Okay. What if you don't? It just produces cost of living adjusted income all the days of your life that you can't outlive no matter how long you live. Well, but what if it doesn't get back to this one arbitrary number that we had like a year and a half ago? Okay. What if it doesn't? Okay. Well, obviously it will if we have cost of living adjusted income all the days of our life that you can't outlive, but that's not the point. The point is redirect. Focus on what's important, not what's unimportant. Stop it. We have to, we, we simply have to be looking at what is important. And you can't figure out the whole wide world. You can't figure out what the market's going to do. I interest rate assumptions. The Federal Reserve sets interest rates, and they're never right. They're the ones that move it, and they're not right. They're, they're, they're wrong by so much it's not even close this time. But they're never right on Wall Street. 60% of the predictions about interest rates only on Wall Street for the last 20 years, as measured every six months, what are interest rates going to do over the next six months? 60% of the time they're wrong. Now, I'm serious. My blind monkeys throwing darts are way better than that. They're right half the time. And they're wrong half the time, but they're not wrong 60% of the time. That's how silly all of that is. And so for just trying to say, if, if it feels like it's too simplistic for people, I guess you can complicate it. You can put more data into your life, but let's be careful what the inputs are, okay? You can say, okay, I want to learn more about, like, the S&P or ETFs or something like that. That's fine. It's not going to hurt you. I want to focus as I get closer to retirement on dividend-paying stocks. Okay, that's great. That's good. It makes sense because we're going to want income in the next few years to kind of transition that over. There's other things you can learn about, which we think about as systematic investments. So let me switch this over. One thing we actually did today, okay, on one of our investments is we're switching, even for income people, every account we have, growth, income, they all own this one fund that we have, okay? It's a high-income fund, and when it hits certain price levels, we reinvest. You know why? Because those price levels are low, and we want that monthly compounding that comes with that. Instead of getting 10 shares on a dividend reinvestment, I'm getting 11 because the price is down. Why wouldn't I want to do that? So we're, even if we have an income as our objective right now, I've got plenty of other sources of income. We've got multiple years in the reservoir. Why wouldn't I take the opportunity to compound systematically, month in and month out? No market predictions. It's just the price is down. And so now I'm getting more, and they compound more quickly to give me more income for the rest of my life on the same investment for nothing, for nothing, except that the price went down. So systematic investment actually happens at various times in various ways within income portfolios. Why not take advantage of price dips? If the outlook is still good for the company, for the sector, whatever it is it, we're in, why wouldn't we want to take advantage of lower prices to compound more shares more quickly? Okay? All right. I got to take a quick break. Fox News is next. We'll be right back. Hello and welcome to this special edition, of course, and I hope you all are enjoying the podcast, the mix we're trying to come up with. 
And I also hope that you'll send over your questions and comments during the week. And sometimes we'll address those on these podcasts as well as the live programs. Again, we're going to do live. We're going to do live probably more than we do not. It's just we're just going to try out a couple of uh, recordings. And uh, next week, Jennifer Stone and I are going to do one together and see how that goes as well. So I think you'll enjoy that very much. I always do. I always do. I love that lady. She's just uh, been the greatest partner for me over these years. Okay, so let's dive into this here. I, you know, I, guess, I guess what I'm really saying to all this, right, as I say all the time, this is all mental. It's, it's a mental game. It's, I, I, it's how you behave that matters every, everything. It's not how much intelligence you have. It's not how much you read, how much you try to keep up on things. It's actually, in, in many ways, it's the opposite of that. It's okay. There, most of us like to have a little information, a little understanding of maybe what dividends are, the difference of exchange-traded funds over and why they have special tax treatment to a regular mutual fund, where we might use those in, in different circumstances, right? It's nice to have that, but you don't have to have that, all that knowledge at all. It, it, but you have to control your behavior. And, and I see it in so many ways, and it, it is heartbreaking because I can't make you not react. I can't make you see things the way you should see things. Only you can do that. I can help. I can coach. I can give you the tools. I can lead the horse to water. But you know the rest. You can't make people not fearful over things. You know, Kathy in our office used to be so afraid of flying. It's totally irrational. She knows it's irrational. Would say it was irrational. But you're driving all the way across the United States. Okay? Super dangerous compared to how many planes fall out of the sky. Unbelievably dangerous. Waiting just for a, a, a deer to come across the road, fly through your windshield, kill you. Or a trucker to go across the road. Or you to fall asleep and run into a tree. I don't know. But the point is, we all know it doesn't make any sense. We all run from lightning. No, almost nobody gets hit by lightning, but we all do this. Okay? I can't, we can't make it be sensible, but we can try. I have my own things. We all have our own things. And it's, it's like, do you just go ahead and give in to those things? Hopefully not. And hopefully you fight those behaviors that you have. Like, I really, really, really think that the only thing that makes any sense is gold. Okay, well, if all you do is read about gold being the only thing, all you do is read the doomsday report from 10 different sources that all say the same thing, you've got a lot of data in front of you and literally no wisdom at all. You've made sure that the preponderance of data that you have will not let any different thought in. Congratulations. You've become dumber, just like all of us do in different areas of our life. We all do. We have confirmation bias. We read what we want. We listen to what we believe in already and have more data to never change our mind about things. It's actually a, a very difficult thing to do, isn't it? To change your mind about something you have believed, like maybe even forever, right? We have to do that. It's all mental. And I think part of that whole mental is we have to stay away from the really negative inputs. It doesn't do us any good to have negative all the time. It just doesn't. It doesn't. You'd never expose your kids to 
or grandkids or whatever to constantly negative attitudes and expect them to have a happy little afternoon. They won't. They'll become whatever you imagined they would with nothing but negative inputs. We all know the curmudgeon. We all know them. i got several people's faces flashing in my, in my mind right now of people that are like, I don't want to hang with these people because all they do is complain all the time. There's always something wrong, right? Okay, as you know, for example, I, well, you may know, you may not know this, okay, but my life was so good a year ago or so, I decided to go ahead and become the president of Hillcrest so that I could, you know, give up a little piece of my happy life. That's not totally true. I've enjoyed the job very much, okay? Uh, for those of you at Hillcrest. But, but everybody, anybody who knows that job or being on the board of a, a, a club or an HOA, all those things, right, it is a thankless job. There's no question it is a thankless job. It's something you just simply have to feel compelled to do, okay? And I did. And so I'm not regretting it. I'm just saying it is amazing how approximately 8% of the club of human beings I guess, that live literally a country club lifestyle, have nothing good to say about almost anything in their life. Certainly. It's like, oh, I can't believe how bad this filet is. Okay. okay. Really? Okay. I can't. Okay. The food always is. or you know, And when we think that way, we obviously see what we're looking for, don't we? Don't you always see the grass as really greener on the other side when it's not? It's really not? Don't we see what we're looking for? We always do. We see the best in our mates or we don't. We, that's what we see. So it's always the same thing. This is a mental game. Do we see the market as a working, always working, easy way to wealth, income we can't believe, or do we not? Do we think it's something we have to game and we have to outperform? We can't ever be at peace about do we have to react to all these things? We have to plug into, what do you think about the market? What do you think about the market? What do you think the Fed's going to do? Oh, my gosh, it's a Fed meeting week. Oh, my gosh, it's earnings week. It's super earnings week. Oh, my word. Here we go again. Oh, my gosh, it's the devaluation of the dollar. What are we going to do? Are they going to shut down the government? Oh, my gosh. It goes on and on. Do you think you have to react to all that? Or can you find peace in owning the great corporations of the world? And sometimes they go up in value. Sometimes they go down in price. But every quarter, they pay their dividend. And over the past gazillion years, they have raised their dividend by three times the rate of inflation and become the greatest income story for the retirees that use it. Can you carry that piece forward? Or do you have to scramble to your computer every day, typing in, oh my gosh, I wonder what my values did today. Are you going to sell today? Then why are you ruining your day? You already know that the Dow Jones Industrial Average went down 180 points today or whatever the number is. That's not a good day to look it up because it's just going to make you feel bad. And it isn't going to change a thing about your lifestyle or anything else. Why do it? We do it. I understand. But you don't have to. That's why I come back to it's our behavior. Do you have to give in to this behavior? No, you don't. So don't. It's all mental all of the time. Systematic investing always works over time, and we have to continue to do it. Don't stop. Keep control of your mind, and don't overreact. 
keep yourself in a peaceful place. And it works. This is so easy. I just really do it. I, I, I put this note down. Is this, if it's this easy, why don't people do this? Is it because it is too simple? Maybe that is true. Maybe I'll come up with another version of, of the same thing, but I'll explain it in like a million words, right? Like a government entity can. If it can be done in one page of explanations, why would we do that? Well, we could create a dozen. Gall, why not? And then maybe people feel like, well, it is more complicated than that, so therefore it works. I don't know. I don't know. But I do know this. This game is 99% mental, just like golf. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome back, and thank you again for joining us. Comments, questions, PetsoFinancial.com. We also have calculators, uh, podcasts, which maybe you're listening to this on a podcast, so you already know that. They're also available at the Apple Store. And don't forget about our YouTube. We Zoom meetings periodically, and we put those out on YouTube both for ongoing education as well as so our clients can find them if they're not available at, you know, 2 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon when we did the last one, okay? All right, I've been talking about systematic investing, being behaving correctly, and I just want to kind of touch on a couple of additional things regarding that, okay? This is why behavior works, why, investment, why investing in down markets work, I talked about this story about a month ago where we happened to get really lucky on this structured note we did, okay? Because structured notes, I'm getting in the weeds only a tiny bit. Bear with me, okay? You don't have to understand this. But a structured note is basically a loan to a big bank, and then they set terms based on what's going on in the market, and you can kind of pick and choose. You can custom make them. You can do whatever you want. This fantastic thing. So for people that want downside protection and, and just can't bring themselves to not, this is where we go all the time. I've talked about these exchange-traded funds that do this, and that's why you can do this and not have to buy these stupid equity-indexed annuities that are just absolutely super high commission and just don't work. There, nothing is free out there. You can't have all the upside you want, but there are so many different things. And one of these things is structured, structured notes. Well, this one we didn't want to have a lot of downside protection. It only had 10% downside. Not a lot. Some, but not a lot. It happened to be during the beginning of the pandemic and the market was absolutely crazy. So we said, let's do one. Let's think about them. So we're starting to look at them and see them, and then boom, this one pops up, and it's like 286% of the upside of the market with 10% downside protection. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring the 10% downside. And I just go, okay, th that's fine. Doesn't matter. But I've got one-to-one -one on the downside, almost three-to-one on the upside. Hmm. Guess what I'd do if I was a casino? I'd go out of business on that kind of a deal. Like, if I win a hand, I get three to one. If I lose a hand, it's one to one. Uh, no, that's not going to happen, especially in something that most of the time is up. Okay? Well, this was crazy, and it's created by all this volatility. We happened to do it, and we hit it, like, right at the bottom of the market. So the darn thing's up, like, 300%. It's, it's, a, it's a joke. It's a home run. It's a grand slam home run. It's out of the park. It, it makes no sense. It's, that's not the point of this tirade I'm on. The point is, the reason we got all this great deal was because of the market turmoil, and we stepped right into the middle of it. You can't get the best deals. You can't be systematic investing and stop just when you're getting the best deals possible. 
It's like, and we saw this in 2008 where people go, well, I, I didn't sell everything. I just quit investing. No, that's the best time you want to keep that going. And that's where the behavior again comes in because nobody wanted to. It's a pandemic. It's going to take down the world. And all you do is plug in the TV because it's all brand new. Nobody knows what's going on. Can I leave the house? I mean, there was crazy stuff talked about, right? All you got to do is stand in the sun because it kills all viruses. Okay, well, that wasn't necessarily the case either. Everybody has to wear a mask, and then we won't get it. Yes, and then we all get vaccinated, and nobody gets it. No, not true. Nothing's true. Okay, but we all are glued to more information. It's a panic situation. I get it, but that's back to this, isn't it? You have to behave correctly. And so what happens, and what I'm trying to say is, most of the market money you make in the market, most all of the money you make in the market is in a bear market. You just don't know it at the time because you're not really making money. You're behaving correctly by not bailing out. You're adding to your investments at maximum great prices. So all that has to happen is the world doesn't, in fact, end. It does not end. It's not over, and it recovers. And so it's okay. It's all right. It'll come back because it always does. And then you look at your investments and go, huh, do you realize I got 40% more or 30, even 25 during that period of time, more shares of stock that pay dividends, more shares of the mutual fund, the ETF, whatever it is you're saying. Every quarter, the rest of my life, I now have more income for life only because I invested during the downturn. See, most of your money is made in a bear market. You just don't know it at the time. You just don't know it at the time. And that's what systematic investing helps you do, is gain control of your own mental attitude, your own behaviors. And it allows you also to be investing during those downtimes. That's the crazy thing. It happens, and it isn't by accident, really. Right? Isn't there, how many sayings are there that kind of surround around this? You have to be lucky, but you got to have more opportunities so you can be lucky. If you behave correctly, you keep working at something, you don't necessarily create your own luck, but you create more opportunities to be lucky to catch the bottom of the market with a note that has ridiculously positive terms to it. Because you didn't run in fear. You stood in spite of the fear. And that's really what it's all about. It's, it's, it's all, the, the same thing is like in 2009, the beginning of 2009. Everybody talks about 08. 08 was bad. The beginning of 09 was, you know, we were already beat up, licking our wounds, watching the market go up 700 points in the morning and then finish down 800 in the afternoon. Like, how, how do you deal with this? How do clients deal with it? And the answer is, not well, not well. So you learn different things. You, you, you have different tools to try to help people get through a period, try to make it last. You know, hey, we got to behave correctly. Remember, we can't bail out here. So the beginning of 09 was that, was that point where you just go, I am putting a stake in the ground. We're not selling one share here at these prices. No way. I'm not even going to watch the market anymore. And that really was a true statement. 
There's no point in looking. It's all down. It was across the board. It didn't matter what it was. Like, just everything was just cut to prices that were absurd. Pricing in the end. So the only thing we did at that time was do some things that made sense when certain sectors that don't make sense were down so much. High-yield bonds. I know. It's crazy, but within one year, they were up 50%. Bonds don't do that. Bonds aren't supposed to do that. But when you misprice things so bad, if you can hang in there, you can behave well, you can go make most of your money in the bear market, you just don't know it at the time. Because you behave correctly, you buy, and you buy systematically, you're going to catch those bottoms, and you're going to hit a home run. It is that easy, and it is that hard. This is the hardest, easiest game that there is. It is simplistic beyond belief. Just buy on a regular basis, stay out of debt, you become rich doing nothing. Like, like nothing. It's like I'm making this up. And we complicate it. And it becomes this mental thing. And we listen to bad news and we listen to people predict things that they know nothing about. And sometimes we sell. That's really all it is. Getting a handle on ourselves. Behaving correctly. And investing systematically. I hope you have a great rest of the day, and thanks for tuning in.